You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. All the nations will be brought before Christ, the returned, risen Christ. And he's going to separate sheep from goats. The sheep are the saved, the goats are the lost. Then the king is going to say to those on his right, the saved, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Catch that. When did God start getting our home ready before he made the worlds? Do you truly know who God is? Do you know that you inherited his kingdom when you accepted him into your heart? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that you must never forget your place in God's plan. You are divinely placed exactly where you're supposed to be in accordance with what he has in store for you. No matter how alluring the promises of the world may seem, you'll only experience fresh blessings by choosing the ways of the Lord. Claim your inheritance and be transformed. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 as he continues his message, Arm Yourselves. Letters that burn. 1 Peter, we're going to look at let me just recap a little bit. Last time in chapter 4 is where we are, 1 Peter 4. We ended with a look at the coming judgment of God and the second coming of Christ. Uh, judgment is coming. The Bible has talked about that forever. This should not be news to anybody here. You say, what do you mean, Jeff? I mean that God's going to judge the world. The Bible says he's going to judge the world in righteousness. He's going to judge the world. And so... In verse 4, Peter makes mention of those who mock the new Christian. And uh, when he or she will no longer party hardy with them as they're used to them doing. How many of you, when you got saved, you quit going where they went and, and they didn't understand that? Your old friends. Neither did mine. And they told me I would soon be back. Well, that was longer ago than I care to say. Over 50 years ago. I never went back. Amen? Now, Peter says, they're surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living. And they heap abuse on you. Yeah? When you don't go with them. Why aren't you going to the bar with us? Why aren't you partying with us? Why don't you go smoke a little dope with us? What's the matter? What happened to you? Don't give me that religion stuff. And they mock you. But Peter says in verse 5, they're going to have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. That doesn't sound like fun, does it? They're going to give an account for everything they said against you. For by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. Jude 14 and 15, Jude's one chapter, in verses 14 and 15, echoes the very same warning. He says, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones, to execute judgment on the people of the world. So everybody say with me, the Lord is coming. Lord. Why is he coming? To execute judgment on the people of the world. That's why he's coming. He's coming to do that. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things that they have done, and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So he will come to judge the world. And when he comes to judge the world, he's going to judge people for the words they have spoken. And if they spoke words against his people, his children, 
they're going to be judged for it. If they spoke words against Christ, which is much worse, they're going to be judged for it. These days, you know, we've got these, these comedians, 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 and they're on late night, and they're, they're on social media, and, I, and I'm noting that more and more of them are, are, are mocking Christ, making fun of Christ. One comedian made fun of Christ and dropped over and fainted on the stage. So you better be careful what you say about Christ. But the Bible says he's coming to judge the world. And he's going to judge the world for what they said against his people and against him. So be very careful what you say about Jesus. Amen? Now, what Jude is talking about is the second coming of Jesus. Where he will appear in the sky at the end of the great tribulation period. He'll appear in the eastern sky. He will come with his saints. The very ones that harsh sinners slandered and persecuted are going to come back with Jesus. That is the raptured church coming back with him. That's right. You, you're going to be up there. All right. He says, Jeff, do you really believe that? Of course I believe that. Why would I not believe that? It's way easier to believe that I came from some ancient ame amoeba in some primordial sea that eventually grew legs, and then all these species came out of it, and I'm the result of that ancient single-celled organism in some distant sea. That's not science. That's a religion. So yes, I believe it. Oh yeah, I believe it. A virgin had a baby. I believe it. Jesus Christ got up from the dead. I believe it. When you come to him, you believe all kinds of miracles. So yes, I believe we'll be coming back with the Lord. Uh, listen to what it says, Matthew 25. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. This is Jesus. He lands on the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives cleaves in half. And he calls the nations before him. This is the judgment of nations. It will happen at the second coming of Christ. This is not the great white throne judgment that happens after the millennium. This is when Jesus returns, we have the judgment of the nations. All the nations will be brought before Christ. The returned, risen Christ. And he's going to separate sheep from goats. The sheep are the saved, the goats are the lost. Then the king is going to say to those on his right, the saved, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Catch that. When did God start getting our home ready before he made the worlds? He's been building a long time. That's a mind bender, isn't it? Before he said, let there be light. Before he started creating our planet. He already had the kingdom for the redeemed under construction. Mm -mm -mm. Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. But then the king's going to turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into, everybody read it with me, into what? The eternal fire. I don't know how people say Jesus never talked about hell. 
We just read it. The eternal fire. Do I relish that? No, I can't wrap my mind around that. But that's what he said. Jesus said it. Prepare for the devil and his demons. It's not even originally prepare for human beings. It's prepare for the devil and his demons. But when man fell, he was included. Now, as we jump back to 1 Peter, Peter makes a very strange statement. This is a tough one. This is one of the toughest verses in the New Testament. Verse 6, for this reason... The gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Now, what in the world is that about? This is a very uh, hotly contested verse. It's a very controversial verse. And there are several ways that people interpret this verse. I'm going to give you what I think is the most reasonable. The good news is whatever we think about this verse has nothing to do with whether or not we stay saved. Amen? It's not a deal breaker. It's just a very mysterious, difficult to interpret verse. So look what he says. For this reason, the gospel was preached to those who are dead. Who's the dead? That they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So who's the dead? Who's this talking about? The word that Peter uses for preach Euangelion, it's evangelize, it's, it means a joyful message, it's the good news. So the word for preach here is, is not the kind of preaching that is saying to, to whoever hears it, uh, judgment is on the way. No, in other words, it's not a bad news message. Whoever this is, the dead, it's good news. He's telling them good news. That's why words matter. So, Peter is likely referring to the men who, when still alive, had heard the gospel and been saved. And because of their new Christian life, they were harshly judged by the kind of men he's just talked about in verse 5. Right? They're going to answer for all the terrible things they said against the believers. The ungodly are going to answer for it. I I believe the thought carries to verse 6. All right? So verse 6 is talking about those that heard the good news, got saved, got all kinds of grief for it, finally died or were martyred. And because of their new Christian life, they were judged by those wicked men, and though judged by wicked men while on earth, they are now alive by the Spirit resting with Jesus. Now that makes sense to me. All right? So he's talking about people that had heard it, got saved, got grief for it, or were killed for it. Could have happened in Peter's day, easy. They could have been martyred. So they died... But now they're alive in the Spirit, and they're with God. And I think that's the most sensible interpretation. Again, I'm not saved or lost for what I think about this verse. Amen? And neither are you. Now next, Peter deals with the question, how shall we as believers live in the midst of a wicked world that is persecuting our faith and threatening our lives? How shall we then live? Francis Schaeffer wrote that famous book, with a famous title, How Shall We Then Live? How do, how do you live in a culture that is getting darker and darker? 
had a radio caller, and um, you know, I do to every man an answer from five to six every Wednesday, and I'm talking to the whole United States of America. And um, I think his call was from Kentucky. And he said, what do you do with John 9, 4, where Jesus said, work while it is day, because night comes when no man can work. He said, what does that verse mean? What did Jesus mean? I said, the word day is only a metaphor for a time of opportunity. Work while it's the, the time of opportunity. Work while you can. Do the works of God. Preach the gospel of Christ. Reach the world. Be the light. Be the salt. Shine for him. Leave the biggest footprint you can for the glory of God. Uh, extend yourself. Reach out. While you can. While it's day. Because the night comes when opportunity will be gone. And no man can work. And I said to this man, I said, I want you to note that there are freedoms we had 30 years ago that are under incredible attack right now. You know, a teacher can't quote a Bible verse. A coach can't pray on the football field without being dragged into court or fired. Uh, there, there's all kinds of things that 30 years ago you, you could have done and nobody would have hardly blinked. But now they are verboten, forbidden. You're, you're attacked. You're, you, you experience consequences. If you expressed 30 years ago that you disagreed with a person's moral lifestyle, uh, you might have gotten into a debate with somebody, but you weren't called a bigot, a homophobe, a right-wing extremist, a, well, all kinds of wonderful adjectives that I can't say in church, and, and lose your job over it. Lose your uh, friendships over it. Uh, uh, be prosecuted for it. No, that didn't happen. But now, night cometh when no man can work. England's about five years ahead of us in its departure from God. And right now in England and in Canada, there's Christians being arrested routinely. Canada, I read of a, a pastor, was arrested Easter weekend. Put in jail in Canada. Our neighbor put in jail. And, and Canada is closed to the gospel. And Canada went that way 30, 40 years ago. See, there, there's a verse in Jeremiah that it's always haunted me. And it's, it, I think it struck me at first because it's very poetic. It, I love the, the play on words and the metaphors that are used. But here's what it says. The sh it's very short. The shadows of the evening are lengthening. Now, Jeremiah said that about the people of Judah and how the sun was setting on them, the sun of God's favor, the sun of opportunity to repent and turn. The sun was setting. And when the sun sets, the shadows are lengthened. All right? When the sun is over, straight overhead, there's not much of a shadow that you leave. It's straight down. But as the sun sets, longer shadows. And Jeremiah said to Judah, where you're concerned, the shadows are lengthening. And I want to tell you, in America, the shadows are lengthening. So I told this man, we have a chance now. Still, we can do things. We need to do it now. Make the most of every opportunity. Paul said in Ephesians 4, for the days are evil. So you got to do what you can do when you can do it. That's free. That wasn't in any of this. I just threw that out. So 
How shall we as believers live as the shadows are lengthening and the sun is setting? Not on you and me, because the path of the justice is the shining light, and it gets brighter and brighter to the perfect day. But as far as our nation is concerned, I want to tell you, the shadows are lengthening. So how do we live here? Well, Peter tells us. He tells us first what we should serve. Everybody say serve. Verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Everybody say amen. amen. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your what, everyone? In your prayers. So what are we to serve? The place of prayer. We're to serve in the place of prayer. The Christians of the first century believed that Jesus would return in their lifetime. It had only been three decades since Jesus had ascended right in front of them and disappeared in the clouds. So it was very easy for them to imagine him returning before they died. And so they, they believed that. We got to remember that even Jesus had told them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. The Father is set by his own authority. Not for you to know. Don't get all fixed on times and dates. When I hear somebody come out with a new time for Christ's return, I say, not again. Would you stop it? How many people have you won to Christ this week? Quit talking about dates and times. Because I guarantee you when somebody says, here's the day he's coming back, I promise you they're wrong. It's a guarantee they're wrong. Because no man knows. Isn't that what it said? No man knows. The timing of his return is to remain a mystery. And while we ourselves are to focus on preaching the gospel, which is what I, I intend to do, and we're going to do it together. We're going to preach the gospel to the whole world. As, as much as God lets us do, we're going to the whole world. We're, we're going to sound it out worldwide. As much as God lets us do, with the help of God, we're going to take it far and wide. Somebody said, when are you going to quit, Jeff? I said, when I can't get there anymore. And then I'll pray. Never going to quit. Quit is not in the Bible. Transition is, but not quit. Amen. I rode my bike today. I'm doing great. I listen. But anyway, so an expectant Simon Peter urges God's people to be sober, watchful, and to serve God in prayer. Sober, by the way, he said, be sober and watchful. Sober means literally unintoxicated. It's about having presence of mind so you can make clear judgments. Uh, it's to be self-controlled. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, you don't lose control. He brings self-control. Because what your problem and mine, we didn't have self-control before we got saved. But now, he brings self-control. Um, it's to have your wits about you, being sober, uh, clear-headed. The opposite of being irrational which is where our country is right now. Irrational. It means to think and act discreetly, to use sound judgment and practice moderation. So we're to be sober, alert, watchful, aware, prayerful as the return of Christ comes closer. Amen. We're to be on our toes, not on our back, asleep in the light. Peter's point is that Jesus could come at any time. Be ready. Amen? Amen? So first we're to serve him in prayer. Then he tells us what we must show. He says in verse 8, Above all things, we have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. 
So what we're to serve and what we're to show, we're to show love. We're to show love. Now, fervent is a great word. It comes from a Greek word that means to be extended, to be stretched out. Picture a, a rubber band and you pull it as tight as you can get away with until you know it's going to pop. He's saying, stretch your love. Stretch your capacity to love people. Work at it. Extend it. Try it. Do it. Go the second mile. Love the brethren. The world that Peter and them, when Peter wrote this, the world they were living in hated them. Didn't just dislike them, hated them. And I'm going to tell you, folks, there's a hatred towards Christianity growing in America before our very eyes. Not just a dislike or an apathy, a hatred. A hatred. Now, what's the antidote? Well, you know what? That's when you really need one another. You need the family of God. Because Peter said, we're in a very hostile world. So I want you, church, to learn to love one another. And you, church, pull in the slack of what no one is getting from that world. You pull in the slack. You fervently stretch your love. Uh, extend yourself. Come out of yourself. Come out of your shell. Come out of your selfishness. And extend yourself and love one another fervently, intensely, the agape kind of love. Do you know the agape, agape, that word we all know, the Greek word, agape, love? Do you know that's the kind of word that has no dependence on emotion? No, it's a decision. God so agape the world, he decided to love the world. Agape doesn't need some overwhelming romantic sense of love or affection. That's not what agape love is. That's eros. That's the other, uh, another Greek word for love. Eros. That's, that's romantic uh, love. But, but agape love is you make up your mind, I'm going to love these people. If they got purple hair, green hair, no hair, if they're not dressed like me, if they don't look like me, I'm going to love them anyway if they're covered in the blood of the Lamb. We're to be thoughtful. And we're to be forgiving. And we're to be kind. Not easy to do. That's why he said, choose it with agape love. Choose it. When Channel 8 interviewed us, Good Morning Texas, we were interviewed by, it's a weird thing. The producer heard about us by meeting somebody in a um, physical therapy session. And, and this person said, oh, oh, yeah, I go to Turning Point, and they got this motorcycle club. Well, the producer went, well, that'd be a great show. So, so here, me and several of our, our uh, honor-bound motorcycle riders with their vests on and all the patches and all this other stuff, we went into the green room where all the other guests were, and let me tell you, you talk about a melting pot. I mean, there was a Hollywood actor in there. Listen, you could have cut the tension with a knife. What a beautiful message from Pastor Jeff. In today's message, he showed you the importance of remaining committed to the cause of Christ. Uphold your dedication to God's mission as you navigate the diverse landscapes of life. In the face of its challenges, remain steadfast in God's commission to advance His gospel. 
Commitment to God's plan is not merely a duty, but it's the most important journey, shaping your character and influencing those around you. Hi everybody, this is Pastor Jeff Wickwire from Hardwired, and I've got something really special to share with you. For a gift of $20 or more, we're gonna send you a beautiful Hardwired pen and a bright LED flashlight with an attached keychain. It's blue in color and bordered in copper, and it's very pretty. It's our gift to you for supporting Hardwired. The set also contains a built-in stylus for your touchscreen devices. So to claim your gift set, visit our website at hardwired.org and just donate $20 or more. And click the Donate Now button in the top right corner. And thanks so much for being a part of the Hardwired family. And I assure you, every dollar that comes in is going to go straight to reaching the world with the Word of God. Have a blessed week. And I'll hand it back to Daniel as he gives a preview of what's coming up on the next edition of Hardwired. Next time on Hardwired, Pastor Jeff emphasizes the dire need to remain on the battlefield for God's glory. Amidst the noise and distractions, you must maintain an unwavering focus on heaven. The world will always exert its influence, tempting you to lower your standards. But you need to resist. Keep your eyes fixated on heaven through all of your trials and tribulations. Find strength in God's divine promises and rise above the world's deathly pull. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of 1 Peter right here on Hardwired.